The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. You seem to have a heck of a lot more energy than I do this morning. I am very good at seeming to be a lot of things. Uh, But today I actually do have a little bit more pep. Uh, Sounds like it. What's Last going week, on? we hit the precursor to this week's milestone. And this week's milestone is, as both of us uh, figured out, once we took off our shoes and socks and uh, used all the digits a couple, of, a couple of times, our 200th episode. Ah, yes. I had to use an abacus to get there, though. I mean, it's very weird with all the beads and sliding them back and forth. I, Honestly, I found the clicking a little distracting. Sorry, I I knew that it would bother somebody. <laughs> it is 200th episode. Now, if you're a firm believer in, and, and mathematically you should be, technically this isn't the beginning of a new century of episodes. This is the last of the last century of episodes. I, that depends so should on we be, which numbering system you use, but yes. So Although, should, we be ce- should we be celebrating that this is 200, or should we be celebrating when we hit 201? Yes. <laughs> I am all for celebration, particularly celebrations that include alcohol. Um, I, I understand that. I'm, not, I'm certainly not questioning that at all. <laughs> uh, but we did have a couple of supplemental episodes in uh, that were never officially numbered, so... I well, if you go back and you scroll through the long list of of episodes, when I was numbering them, any special supplemental episodes were actually numbered as the previous episode with an SR or an NR or whatever I used. So it would be like episode 115 SR supplemental recording or something like that. Yes. So actually – yeah, I guess this would be We are be over the, 200 recordings. Yes, absolutely. We are over officially 200 if I gave each one an individual number. But I didn't see how it was fair if we were just doing a supplemental to go through a draft to give it its own special number. It was a special show. It needed a special number. And if there's one thing you're good at, <laughs> it's special. Hey, hey, hey. Just because it's a special episode doesn't mean you can (laughs) – just because I'm half awake doesn't mean you get to do that. It is a nice – it is a nice – what's the word I'm looking for? See, I'm not awake yet. Level to hit, milestone, achievement. 200 episodes. I mean we've been doing this for almost almost three three years years now, yeah? Well, three years now. No, three years would be uh, 156 episodes, so it's almost four years. Four years. Wow. Okay, four years it is. Um, it'll actually be four years sometime the end of January. Um, yes. In which case, we'll have another celebration. Um, <laughs> hopefully one that co- coincides with the start of the new season. Um, so do we want to start with this week's news and events? Do we want to start... By looking back at some of the funness over the last nearly four years of hockey, let's dive into what's going on now, and then we can we can give the 
the memories and the the appropriate amount of time that it deserves. Reminisce later. I get it. I get it. Uh, let's jump into some developments around the U.S. Uh, World Junior Team. Um, they, I, it, my understanding is they finally settled on their 25 players. That's correct. There's some pretty well-known names on the list. Um, uh, local local people um, and those from uh, those who have been a fan of him will probably want to know that uh, John Beecher was uh, one of the final cuts from the team. Um, he, I suspect that part of it, a bigger part than they want to talk about, is the fact that he had a one-game suspension uh, to deal with at the World Junior level. Um, and that's, that's probably enough to lower, to knock anyone off the team at some point. Um, but it's, it's a bit disappointing that we're not going to get to see him on the international stage one more time. It's not, I'm not as worried about his development per se, uh, given the screwiness of the last 10 plus months. Um, because I think that nearly everyone is going to be on equal footing that way. Um, but I would love to see him play because I think he's got, I think he's got, um, middle six upside. He's yeah, he's, I know they draft, I know the Bruins drafted him in the first round, you know, their first round pick and at Michigan, he's doing okay. This season, he's starting off a bit slow, though. He's only got like one. He's only got one goal and like three points in their first five games, or first eight games. Uh, he does have an outstanding. He still owes them a one-game suspension for a boarding play against Team Finland in the quarterfinals from last year. But the the main reason that he was left off the roster has to do with. Um, that which shall not be named, apparently he had a positive test. And that's the reason they're giving for leaving him off the roster. Interesting. Uh, I hmm. That was reported by the Boston Globe. So do with it what you will. He's still only 19 years old. Uh, and I'm sorry, he has a goal in two points this season. So he, I mean, it's a slow start for him. He's not... And even watching him before he was drafted, he's not going to be the the lighted up kind of guy. He's not going to come in, at least based on what I've seen. He's not going to come in and suddenly score 35, 40 goals a season and and 100 points or 90 points or whatever. He's, a, like you said, a middle six center. Uh, he's a big kid, though. He's like 6'3", 210 pounds, 220 pounds. I mean, he's got good size, good physicality. It's just, I mean, from when you're expecting what you're expecting out of a first round pick, and we discussed the the trio of picks from what was it, 2015, and how only one of them has actually cracked the roster in Boston. Yeah, um, it, you know, is is even John Beecher, and I like watching. I mean, he's got skill, he's got talent, he's got elite speed. You can see why he would draw the attention of a scouting staff. It's yeah. it's easy to see. 
but it, it does suck that there's a I mean basically for the Bruins and I shouldn't use that word it, it leaves them limited as far as representatives on the international stage they have uh, uh, a Russian Roman Bykov mm. who I'm sure will certainly come over really quickly to play for a very long time in, well, a, he, in the spoke I, I mean and he was he was a huge you know huge deal in the fifth round of 2019, and there are in their sixth round pick Matthias Mantikivi is also going to be on Team Finland. So that's basically the Bruins' representation at the World Juniors. As weird as it say as it sounds to say, I'm kind of glad that those two are playing because anything that gives them a push towards either the top of the roster or the Bruins deciding they're not worth the effort, um, I guess is positive. Um, but let's look at who else is on the team. Uh, you had, oh, let's see. This was a t- 20, uh, the 2021 roster. Uh, right. If you look back at, uh, thanks to the uh, Twitter machine, if you look back uh, a little bit, they t- uh, USA Hockey tweeted out uh, the vinyl roster, which includes a couple of names you're going to be pretty familiar with. Um, Sam Colangelo, uh, he's a Stoneham, Mass uh, native. Matthew Boldy, who was in Bruins development camp two years ago. Uh, Cole Caulfield, recently drafted. Arthur uh, Kelly, recently drafted. Um, Jake Sanderson, a name we've heard, oh, at least two or three times, uh, on defense. And of course, uh, Spencer Knight, um, as the highlights of this one. Well, let's see, you've got Tyler Clevin, who was, uh, Tyler Clevin, who was drafted and going to university, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, you've got Brock Faber. Trevor Zagris, uh, Zagris was at, is at Boston University. Alex Turcott, um, Sam Colangelo is also Boston University bound, I believe. That does sound right. Uh, I mean, it, it, you look at the list and it's like it reads like a, a somewhat who's who of, of Massachusetts uh, collegiate stars. <laughs> Yep. To have to have this kind of a, a representation for the region, and no, the individuals aren't all from here in Massachusetts. But as far as the schools they're attending, and where they're going to launch their careers from this point, I mean, it, it's still got to be a boon for the New England schools to say, hey, this is how many kids we got, you know, playing in the World Juniors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we did, we looked at the numbers once. It's a surprising number of Division One hockey teams, but it seems like there's only about 20 teams that matter, and 18 of them are probably somewhere in the Northeast, you know, somewhere between Pennsylvania and Maine. Uh, it's... It's pretty surprising, even knowing the deep three, four, five, six generations of hockey in the area, um, how how much they continue to dominate hockey 
uh, the same way that, you know, schools like Alabama uh, and uh, uh, dominate in football. Exactly. I mean, it, and to watch some of these kids, and the head coach is Nate Lehman, who coaches at Providence. So even the even New England represented on the coaching staff as well as, and Ted Donato is going to be Ted Donato's on the coaching staff. So you got let's Lehman. Make, and, let's hope he may, doesn't make them push the bus all the way to the uh, <laughs> tournament like he did uh, a couple of years ago up in uh, Manch Vegas. One of the one of the fun memories we've had over the last couple of, uh, last couple of years, by the way, when we got to talk about how his poor team, by the time they got on the ice, had not only had their uh, exercise for the week, but uh, they they just looked exhausted. It, it was one of the strangest strangest things I've ever seen because I've seen that team look really really good, and then that uh i like overall i like this american roster i don't know with with the uh with the disease state of the world right now what this tournament is going to shake out as uh i imagine that almost that most players who don't actually own or have direct access to a very private uh ice rink are probably a little bit behind on skating where they where they would normally be over a twelve month period. Um, this may actually be a tournament that displays more raw athleticism than pure skill, um, and that's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. Uh, I will absolutely be glued to my TV that week, and yes, uh, you can expect me to actually remember that I have a Twitter account to log in and to uh, uh, post a few tweets each game. And if you, if you watch, yeah. If, and if you do watch um, any college hockey uh, in the meantime, you can certainly scout them. There are three Boston college players, three university of Michigan players, two Providence university, Providence college players, uh, two Wisconsin players. What you're saying is that uh, you ex- is that like 30 percent of, uh, or probably 45 percent of this team will have homework over the tournament. Yes, and four four of the players on the team are actually Massachusetts born. That would be oh maybe five. Wait, we got Henry Thrun from Southboro, Matthew Beniers from Hingham, yep, Matthew Boldy from Millis, yep, Sam Colangelo, like you said, from Stoneham, and Patrick Moynihan also from Millis. So you got five Massachusetts players on the roster. That's twenty percent of the roster is from the state of Massachusetts. That's a very rare high. Uh, there have been a couple of years recently where there's been no Massachusetts-born kids. Um, but five is five is a very nice number. Um, at this point, uh, Western and Central Mass have to get uh, off their backsides and get a couple of kids in there because <laughs> everyone here, literally everyone here, is from inside 495. They may actually all be from inside 128. Oh, 
or and they actually have more players than Minnesota does on this roster. Minnesota only has four players. Uh, I mean, yeah, in any given year, you can figure that almost half of the roster or possibly more than half of the roster is going to come from a state that starts with an M. Yes. Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan, Minnesota, Minnesota, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And you can now add in Maine and Missouri, um, given the number of uh, kids that have come out of the St. Louis area in the past uh, decade. This really is a representation, though. You've got actually there are two kids from California on this roster. You got a New Jersey. You got two New York. You got South Bend, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Uh, this really is a representation, though. One from North Dakota, couple from Connecticut, one from Georgia. Suwanee, Georgia, Logan Stein, one of the goaltenders. Nice. I mean, that's a pretty fair representation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Montana. That another M state. <laughs> Jake Sanderson, who's going to University of North Dakota. Along with Tyler Clevin, I got his school wrong. Oh, and I got Sam Colangelo's school wrong. He's attending Northeastern. Uh, they've been better recently anyway, so. <laughs> but yeah, the, the and, and the list of schools reads like a list of past champions as well, because yes, you've got Providence who's won. You've got Wisconsin. I don't know if they've won, but um, you've got North Dakota. You've got Denver. It, clearly, the schools know what they're looking when they're doing their scouting. Know what they're looking for, and it, and this team is just a, a confirmation of that. And they will be fun to watch, I think. Um, let's uh, let's uh, let's spin up the uh, wheel a little bit on the age of players. And the coming expectations um, in the last week or so, it's come to light that the league is now targeting lucky uh, January 13th as the uh, start uh, of of the next year. Um, and uh, Elliot Friedman points out um, in his uh, in his December 10th post that. There could be a big change to North American hockey uh, uniforms uh, in the future. And by the future, I mean this year. Change to the uniforms? Yes. And that change would be? Um, the NHL is currently investigating selling ads on players' helmets. Um, oh, goodness. Up, <laughs> according to Elliot Friedman... Brought up on Wednesday's Board of Governors call, won't be any formal comment until uh, until team presidents are briefed on Monday. Um, and the chances uh, the chances of getting this done? I think that if it's ever going to happen, this is the year that it's going to happen. And the sad thing is, is that even if everyone says it's only going to be a one year thing. Once it happens, there's no going back. 
Well, once it happens, depending on the actual amount of money it brings in, I I can't see owners turning off that tap once it starts flowing. And once they justify one ad, it's two ads and three ads and five ads. And then you're barely see then you're barely able to tell North American jerseys from European ones. Just think of the classic logos like the uh, Chicago Blackhawks surrounded by everything from Pennzoil and um, United Healthcare logos to uh, Little Caesars and um, well, they would certainly the, the be a sponsor mail, in Detroit <laughs> and the local uh, the local uh, pedicure chain. I mean, I think I'm more worried about and and I. I did mention this pre-show, but I think I'm more worried about when, when they try to convince goaltenders to for this to happen because goalies spend a lot of cash to get their masks painted. It's not a cheap prospect. Uh, you know, it's not a cheap undertaking. They they find real good artists and and they're paid well for their for their handiwork. And some of those masks out there are really elaborate and really well done and it's trickling down to the college level they actually talked to spencer knight about his mask and he paid somebody to and what the thought process that goes into because it's not all just about well we got to make it look like the team colors and whatnot i mean some of the things that the goalies put on their helmets are very individual to them Mm -hmm. and now you're asking them to take this piece of art and cover it with uh, T-Mobile or something, you know, a placard that says T-Mobile on it. Maybe that qu- that cricket wireless green blob. I mean, that will look <laughs> sensational right next to the uh, Tampa lightning bolt. I mean, do they have to be color coordinated? Would cricket be more acceptable if it was on a Seattle Kraken uniform? You could be, and oh, just just wait until you see that Starbucks logo riding next to oh, the, the Coyote logo. Coyote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking that the ads might be a little more regional. I mean, they do it in the NBA. And when they first announced it again, I thought it was going to be Starbucks okay. Starbucks is everywhere. I know, but they're based out of Seattle. So you might see them on the Kraken uniform. I mean, in the NBA, they just have one sponsor, and it's required by the league. Every team has to have one. And they're pretty much all regional, like the Boston Celtics here have a little circle with GE with the GE logo. Does that Not, mean the Bruins would have the Dunks logo on theirs? Probably. It's all over the building and and all over the, the, the hallways and corridors inside the building, so... Or maybe one of the one of the insurance companies like uh, Plymouth Rock, Arbella, Plymouth Rock, yeah, whoever has this, whoever's paying money right now to run ads during their during their game during their games. I, I just I don't. It's not that I I'm against it because clearly the revenue has to come from somewhere, and if they're not going to have full barns. With people, you know, watching the games, then they have to get the money from somewhere because I don't want to see this as a locked out or canceled season. I want to see hockey, which is something that the owners have been talking about. If the players don't 
concede to giving up still more money. Really? Uh, you had put up a story earlier. Oh, that uh, that one. I found it on a on the blog. Yeah, on a. I found it on a Phil- Pittsburgh is running like a sports live wire, kind of like a yep. just a, a ticker of what's going on timeline wise. And one of the things that was in there was the fact that the NHL actually I have to find it. I don't want to get it wrong. But, yeah, the belief was that uh, the NHL could force a, a, a cancellation to the season. And the reason why. It, our friend, yours and mine, uh, I don't know if we can call him a friend, but certainly somebody who represents players in Boston, such as Yaroslav Halak. Alan Walsh has brought this to everybody's attention. Alan was subtle. Yeah. Oh, yes. Very subtle. You know, sword play and, and whatnot. Uh, 9 p.m. Tuesday, despite agreeing with the NHLPA to an extension to the CBA in June, the NHL is seeking to change the terms. And it goes through the numbers, the 10 percent, 20 percent was the agreed to number. Defer 10 percent salary, 20 percent goes into escrow. So it guarantees the players 72 percent. But now the numbers are they want to just reportedly adjust the numbers to 26 and 25, which would guarantee the players only 55 and a half percent of their salary. Which is kind of a big change. Yeah, it's not like we're, you know, it's not like they're losing five cents on the dollar here. This is a, that's kind of a big deal. It's almost 20 percent, 16 and a half, 17 and a half percent. Additional, in addition (sighs) To what they had already conceded to give up. And so, this is this is why when everything happened so quickly uh, after the after the pause or at the end of the pause before the start of uh, the pretend offs that I was very confused as to how easily the league and the team and the players rather had gotten everything done, gotten to the table and gotten up without any bloodshed. Well, if the te- if the teams decide to lock players out uh, because the owners couldn't see 12 months into the future or eight months at the, in this case, um, that's all on you guys. Really, that's all on you. You should have taken an extra two weeks to hammer out a more flexible deal in case something happened. So Alan Walsh, who, as you said, subtle, subtlety and nuance, clearly unmatched. Absolutely. Tweet, tweets out a reply, tweets out a, a reply, uh, tweets out. If the NHL lawyers are advising owners they have a winning case here, I suggest they go back to law school. Owners will be subjecting themselves to billions in potential damages if they falsely invoke force majeure to cancel the season. And <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> whatever you think of him, whatever you, whether you normally side with the owners, you normally side with the players, or you make uh, your make your decision based on the evidence each individual time. 
Alan Walsh is one of those must follows in hockey, uh, in hockey Twitter. Um, He's there are other agents out there and player representatives who tweet, some of whom comment on the business and not just uh, fluff their players' reputations. But Alan Walsh is the real deal. He's been around forever. He represents some incredible talents. Uh, and there's there's literally... I, I can't think of a figure like him anywhere else uh, in the league or in the hockey in the hockey world. But I'll tell you, I don't think there's any one of the player. I don't think any of the players he represents are ever going to complain that he doesn't support them. Nope. <laughs> I mean, when yeah, when Halak became the number one goaltender during the pretend offs for the Bruins. Every time he made a, a big save, every time they won a game on his back, it was Alan Walsh that was tweeting it out. Congrats to my guy, Yarrow Halak. You know, it, it, clearly, he wasn't just an agent. You know, yes, he's in it for the money. It, if you yeah, weren't Alan in it for Walsh, the money, yeah. but he's clearly watching the games and watching his players, and he clearly supports them, and obviously – the number one example would be the way he supported Marc Andre Fleury. That that will live forever. <laughs> Literally even live you, forever. Even deleting it from the Twitterverse, it, nope. you can't unsee it. You can't. <laughs> nope. It, it, it was glorious. But it, it, he's right, though. I mean, it, it, players agreed to seventy-two percent of their contracts due to the pandemic. NHL owners cannot now assert they don't like the deal, demand $300 million more from the players, and if the players don't give in, cancel the season by invoking force majeure. He's right. The the NHL is just going to hurt itself. And And, the the players only have a short window. But, you know, if the season is canceled, flat out canceled, yeah, you've created a bunch of free agents, many of whom with multiple years left in their in their um, in their playing career who can go to Europe and strengthen the leagues over there at the same time, creating a talent vacuum here um, just at the time when you're expanding again. And you're going to see some really flat, really sloppy NHL hockey uh, because of it. Uh, should they ever manage to get back together? How does Gary Bettman expect to come out of this smelling like anything but the rubbish that it is? Gary Bettman doesn't care about his reputation. I'm thinking he doesn't. I mean, Gary Gary this, Bettman cares about his paycheck. This can only this can only hurt the NHL. The, 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 there's no way this can blow back on the players. I can't imagine there are people who are going to turn around and say, you know what, those players should have taken less money. I, I just don't see it happening. There must be a – I'm sure there's a small group of people. I, I, there, I'm not there going is, to guarantee it. But. There is absolutely a small, like, 3 or 4% who will automatically side with the authority figures, in this case the league. Um, but you ask those same people, are you going to actually take a 26% – overall pay cut at your current job? No. 
Exactly. Just no. <laughs> Doesn't matter whether you're an electrician, whether you work at, uh, at the dollar store, uh, whether you work uh, running the amusements at uh, the mouse, or you're a big uh, software, like you're a software engineer or software manager uh, for some Fortune 500 company. Someone says, yeah, we're going to subtract uh, 27% from your salary this year and still expect you to take all of the same risks. What? What? Yeah, there's, it, it's not like this. the game suddenly got 20% healthier. Right. It's still a fast, physical, uh, anything-can-happen game. I mean, it, so you're going to ask players who are out there getting in front of 100-mile-an-hour slap shots and, 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 and getting checked into boards by guys who may outweigh them by 30, 40 pounds. And, and who are moving at tw- – who are moving north of 20 miles an hour. Yeah, sure, sure. And okay. You, yeah, but you got to do this for 20, 20% less salary. Uh-huh. You've already you, – you're already – you've already agreed to give us – 18%. No, 20, excuse me, 28%. You've already agreed to give us 28. We just want you to give another 17. And right. we'll be good. And 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 everything will be good. We'll be good. We can play. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Just literally no. Does something I mean, not it, sound wrong about that? This is this would be this is exactly the same as uh, I don't even just know. I, I can't even talk about it anymore. I mean, you're right. I don't know how they slid this by the players and got them to agree to it in the first place, but somebody well, needed kudos, kudos to the players for doing what it takes to get everyone back to uh, the table uh, back in May and June. And, I don't know what the league's representatives were thinking. You know, their lawyers, the governors, I, I don't know. But think harder next time. Here's an idea. Do something that 85% or so of MBAs in North America cannot do. Cannot do, will not do. Think more yeah. than one quarter ahead. And <laughs> what more than one way, quarter? There you go. By the way, this sport, the players don't get paid near as much as the other big three sports in North America. Not even close. Nope. There are baseball players and basketball players who make more than an entire NHL roster. This is true. And so anyone who wants to talk about them being spoiled babies, why watch this? Why watch sports at all? And don't tell me you think that players and the other three sports are less spoiled. Uh, they're not. Where next? Oh, goodness. Uh, we've got we've covered a lot. Who is Adam Fantilli? I am so glad you asked. Adam Fantilli is one of those guys who is expected at this point to go top five overall 
in the 2023 draft. No, we're not in 2021 yet. No, we're not in 2022 yet. But this young man is already playing for the Chicago Steel. Um, A couple of nights ago, uh, in his fifth game for the Chicago Steel, he scored a rather pretty goal, uh, which you can find on YouTube. I found it uh, via Reddit. Um, And it's it's a goal that made... The it's a goal that made uh, the game three three. Um, if you look for it, um, it is top. Uh, the title is top twenty twenty three NHL draft picked uh, draft prospect rather. Adam Fentilli scores first USHL goal. Um, it's from All Sport Mixtapes, uh, and it runs thirty seven seconds. Um, Adam Fantilli, 15-year-old. 15-year-old. Uh, he gets the puck on a corner dump in. He's standing about uh, three feet outside the crease. Uh, puck comes from the right-hand side or the near side of the ice across ice to him on the far side of the crease. Moves around the goalie uh, and just buries the shot from right in close. Um, goalie had no chance. Very natural, no delay. I understand why people have their eyes on him. So at six, so at fifteen years old, he's already six foot two, hundred and eighty-one pounds. Yeah, he 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 promises to be a tiny one. Uh, so uh, Nick Suzuki uh, doesn't have anything to worry about as far as being the smallest individual in the NHL. <laughs> Nope, not a chance. Not a thing. And where is young Mr. Fantilli from? Uh, he is from the place that he was born. Ah, good answer, because I can't find it either. <laughs> Wait, hometown. Kleinberg, Ontario, Canada. I I haven't seen anything about him. Uh, this is the first I'm hearing of him. This is the first I've heard of anyone in the in the 2023 draft, um, and it probably says as much about if they're the looking state at of hockey at the moment. I was going to say, but if they're looking, if scouts are looking that far out, is that also not a statement on what's coming in closer drafts? I mean, I thought next year's draft was supposed to be, um. Somewhat competitive. I think it. I think it's probably. I think this is probably a case of um, well, one, it's unusual for Canadians to be playing in the USHL at all. Um, two, as we've as we've uh, noted here, he's not a small uh, young man. Um, hockey D uh, Hockey DB actually has him listed at six two and one uh, hundred ninety pounds. Um, he's, he might turn out to be the league's next name power forward. That's not to say that he's going to come in and drop the gloves as often as Milan Lucic or, uh, Jerome McGinley, because I don't see that happening. But assuming that's a reasonable, reasonably close to an adult level 
of muscle uh, and bone. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's tough to play against now. If he if he's even a reasonable skater, um, give him two more years, three more years before he hits the NHL. Oh yeah, he's an October twelfth birthday, so yeah, he'll be nine. He'll be just about nineteen uh, if he plays in his first season. Um, assuming the league has managed to hold together that long and is back to uh, Octo- early October ga- uh, season starts. I have um, I have here a story from Mark Masters. Uh, TS, TSN uh, about young Mr. Fantilli. Uh, he's from Nobleton, Ontario. Yep. He had 18 goals and 18 assists in 26 games with Kimball Union Academy uh, while playing against older kids during that time. Uh, he He's not afraid. He follows his brother around. He left Toronto Junior Canadians of the greater and there he goes of the greater Toronto Hockey League he, he has an older brother Luca and they both played a, played at a prep school in New Hampshire and then he followed his brother again because he wanted to play alongside him and he that's why he's with the Chicago Steel his brother is a defenseman just a, uh, right around a year older um, Luca is a December 30th birthday um, about the same height, also on the Chicago Steel, uh, six feet and 159 pounds, so not quite so brawny. Um, uh, but interesting to see the two of them uh, stick so close to each other. Um, they asked him what the sibling. Mark asked him what sibling rivalry was like growing up, and. Adam's answer was, I always wanted to hang out with Luca's friends and try to be the best among guys two years older than me. He didn't want to be the best among kids in his age group. He wanted to be the best among kids older than him. That That's drive. <laughs> I guess that what drove most of our competitive nature. Uh, oh, by the way, he also cheers for the Boston Bruins. Well... I guess we'll get to I guess we'll get to watch him over the next two and a half years uh, before he's drafted. Um, may make uh, subscribing to the USHL streaming service uh, rather worthy. Um, and for those of you in the Chicago area, uh, once people are allowed back in the arenas, uh, more than one reason uh, to get down uh, to get down and watch some games. I don't think his choice of role model is all that bad as far as hockey is concerned. Uh, he he prefers Nathan McKinnon. There, I think there are worse hockey players in the league. I have to double check my notes, but I think there's probably uh, at least a handful. Yeah. It sounds like a kid who's, uh, for a 15-year-old, he sounds like he has his head on right. Um I'm not gonna at all fault him for following his brother. He 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 puts family at the top of his list, and and going to the U.S. going to the Chicago Steel gave him an opportunity to play another year with his brother. I mean, at some point, his brother's gonna get drafted, I would assume, and and 
move on to uh, an NHL or, or an AHL affiliate. And for those wondering, if you haven't had a chance to check the stats, right now the Chicago Steel lead the uh, Eastern Conference of the USHL. Uh, they are 9-2 and two, uh, with an 818 points percentage. Only the Fargo <laughs> Forest in the Western Conference, who have, uh, have an 850 points percentage, have more uh, are have a better record, but uh, the Steel overall have the most points at 18 in the league with a seven-game uh, win streak. So I want to close this out just by revealing <clears throat> the last two que- the last two questions or the last question that Mark Mastered asked him. I watched an interview you did when you were 12, and you said you were a Boston Bruins fan despite growing up in Ontario. What's that all about? <clears throat> and Mar- and Adam answered, a lot of Leafs fans around the GTA, Greater Toronto Area, I'm guessing, yep. aren't big fans of me, as he smiles. But I grew up in a Boston culture because my dad was a big Bruins guy. Game sevens are all that we need. They said, how did you become a Bruins fan? And his answer, when he grew up watching hockey, his dad was a big Montreal Canadiens fan. So naturally, he started liking the Canadiens. But once, but then once he started watching and the Bruins went into the Rock'em Sock'em style of play, he started loving it. So I don't think I ever liked the team other than the Bruins. I was sort of brainwashed since day one and never strayed. End it sounds quote. fun. So, Dad was a Canadians fan, changed to a Bruins fan, <laughs> and the son just kind of followed along. <laughs> I can live with that. I can accept that, sure. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, what other stories do we have on the board for today? Ah, we covered the national team. We covered. Is there anything else? No, I think that's pretty much that's it. Ads most on, of it, yeah. Yeah, ads on jerseys and and John Beecher and. and I guess it's time to look back at uh, at I, at the past. Two hundred episodes. We've been 200 doing this episodes, for, four years of hockey. Um, there have been some things that have happened in that time. One of the ones that sticks out to me, mm-hmm. uh, um, happened probably almost two years ago. And that was the, that was watching Patrice Bergeron hit a thousand NHL games. Both of us have been hockey fans a pretty long time. Fair assessment. Uh, both of us have seen all of Patrice Bergeron's NHL career. And he's been playing since he first got here. And he didn't spend any time in the minors. So pretty much been at able one to point, follow him. we thought that we had seen the last of him when he had that first major concussion. Not a good moment. No. Uh oh yeah, it, actually it look it looks like it would have been yeah a season and a half ago, um because he hit 10.89 at the end of the regular season this year, um so about two years ago Bergeron hits the thousand game mark, 
And of course they trot out some of the videos uh, from his rookie year, that amazing Raycroft and him driving the Zamboni uh, across the, what is it? The Zakem bridge. Um, oh, in, the, in their when they year. first, when they first said we're coming to Boston or, or can you even drive? That was a, I, and Bergeron could not speak English at the time. <laughs> no, he, he learned English, I guess, when he got here with the, whatever family it was that he was living with. And I don't remember uh, who it was that took him in, but I thought it was Marty LaPointe. I want to say it was Marty LaPointe that he lived with for, uh, when he first arrived. I but, believe it was, it sounds about right, but, uh, but I, I mean, you looked back over his career and you can still say to this day, I mean, he was drafted, what, June of 2003, 17 years in Boston. What's the most controversial thing that Patrice Bergeron has done in those in that time? Um, I think the closest it comes is <laughs> saying into a that fight. He, into- that's not controversial in Boston. <laughs> yeah, good point. Okay. I think the closest that he's come to controversy is saying that he didn't really need to go to the All-Star game after he'd been a couple of times. That's like that's it. Do you know how hard it is to avoid controversy real or manufactured in a hockey market like this? 17 years and that's it. Like This man is a how-to manual on how to be famous the right way in Boston. He is the most invisible, visible person in the entire state of Massachusetts. Everyone who knows anything about what he does knows who he is. Like, if you know almost nothing about hockey and you've been in Boston more than six months, you know who Patrice Bergeron is. Yes. I don't think you can avoid that. He's he's you a picture. <laughs> his his pictures all over the arena. Uh, as much as I hate the name of the line, you hear the perfection line mentioned every single time Boston, the Boston Bruins are brought up. He's won individual awards. He helped win the cup. He was clearly he's clearly a difference maker. Ninety. Four and a half percent of the time, ninety-four and a half percent of games when he's on the ice. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, and I still have on my DVR that Bergeron at a thousand video that I will probably get around to watching before the season starts again because it's so well put together. Um, a lot of guys who don't like to talk about themselves. They come across like a little bit cocky while they're doing it. He doesn't. He's just one of the more genuine people that we've seen uh, in any form of entertainment in the past decade or two. He does. It's amazing how, and it's amazing to me how somebody of his stature here in Boston and he clearly when you talk to him he always talks about the team he always talks about his teammates he talks about his family he makes it 
he never makes it about himself. He, he they can't seem to get him to talk about Patrice Bergeron. And after it took me, I was a fan from day one. Like I saw him in his very first training camp and his first, you know, preseason games and NHL games. And I'm telling everyone, watch this kid. Everyone else is telling me to watch this guy or that guy or that guy. And I'm like, nope, that one. And most of those names, those other names, some, most of them have had very good careers. I had it pop up on my Twitter timeline. Uh, do you remember? It was a tweet from Canada. Was it Team Canada? And it said, do you remember the Bergeron, Crosby, Marshawn line? And I'm like, okay, no, but clicked on the video and it's a, you know, 15 second, 20 second video of a breakout from the defensive zone. Yep. And the puck went from Bergeron, Crosby, drops it back to Marshawn, bang, goal. It was like, okay, I've seen that. I've seen that movie before. It's and happened here in Boston many times without Crosby, you know, fill in Pasternak. But it was just fill in like 15 guys. They've uh, had more wingers uh, in the past uh, t- six years that they've been together, seven years they've been together than I can count. Um, I mean, they've had Pasternak. They've had Kuhlman. They had uh, – they had Recky, they had Yager, they had, uh, like, legitimately, they've had almost everybody on their wing. I think the only person who has played, like, on a line with more players in the Bruins uniform in the past 10 or 12 years is David Krejci, because his winger, both of his wingers have rotated more. Uh, yeah. It's... It, it, but why it, it just it, in the spirit of remembering it, to watch him and that wasn't that many years ago. No. But to just watch it and to see him, the chemistry is clear between him and Marsha. I mean, yes, okay, it was Crosby on the line instead of Pasta or whoever else you want to squeeze in from the Bruins, but just by the virtue of the the quick clip, you could see Marsha and just knew where. Bergeron was, or I should say Bergeron just knew where Marshan was going to be. Yes, he hit Crosby first, knew it was going to go to Marshan. The man's hockey IQ is off the charts. And while he's a good NHL athlete, no one in the world pretends that Patrice Bergeron is the best physical specimen to ever don skates in the NHL. I mean, they list his weight at what? What is he listed at, like 190 or so right now? I don't believe it. He's listed at 195. Uh, a couple of years ago, well, probably eight or seven or eight years ago, he was listed over 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. I've never for a minute believed it. Like, literally did not believe it. Because uh, you see the occasional picture of him out around town. And he's skin and bones. Like, he is legit whipcord over bone and not much else. Uh, 
the man plays hockey at a, at a level that. And he's no longer a young player. I mean, as a forward, he's entering next season at 35 years old. Did you see any signs of, like, slowdown last year? Not from Bergeron, no. 56 points in 61 games with Marchand and Pasternak both missing time? I'll take that. (laughs) Yes. And I will take that uh, I'll take over that. and over again. And over and over and over and over. <laughs> and over and over. I am not trying to divert the conversation, but I was clicking through no, no, some no. of Go the ahead. old clicking through some of the old headlines that we've had and I went all the way back to when we first started on our current um podcasting podcast hosting site here. Yep. Episode forty three. We were not above getting information from anywhere. It turns out that we actually went to, we actually found a tweet from BT Smokehouse. We, they retweeted a map of the United States originally tweeted out by the Boston Globe indicating the most popular NHL franchise in each one. Now, obviously, writing snippets, I didn't put a full description of what, but it says the results are interesting, in some cases eye-opening. I wish I had seen this beforehand. I would have gone to look up the map again. But BT Smokehouse, I mean. (laughs) Oh, we still get tweets from everywhere. We get information. We are not above getting information from any source. (laughs) It's just the th- the stop and think about it. And we've we've been through so much when you look at it because we've been through uh, Jerome Aginla going back and playing in a tournament in Switzerland in Davos, Switzerland, the yep. uh, the Spangler Cup. Uh, we've been or, through and the the uh, Aginla to Boston. Oh wait, we mean Pittsburgh, and then yeah. oh, Aginla Oops. to Boston over the summer. Um, it's been a really interesting four years. I mean, the, the, the players that have retired, we've been around for not only Ovechkin's 700th goal, but we were around for Ovechkin's 600th goal. And I mean, either of those numbers is staggering to begin with. Patently absurd in the current NHL. Goaltending for all of his career has been far better than any of the first handful of guys to hit the 700 or 600 goal mark in the NHL. Yeah, Ovechkin scores 600, March 18th, 2018 show. We also said Corsi was dead in that show. Um, <laughs> you have always been the world's biggest proponent of Corsi, so I know that that was a really, really hard moment for you. That was a tough show for me, March 18th, admitting that Corsi was dead or supposedly if, dead. If you go back and listen to the show, ladies and gentlemen, I, you may be able to pick out the moments where we had to pause and Chris broke down for like 10 or 15 minutes. It was only like four or five times, but it took us like six hours to actually put that show together. It's true. I mean, some of the some of the Patty Kazmaier in that same episode, Patty Kazmaier 
that week had won NCAA Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh, uh, no, I'm sorry, Daryl. Uh, let me get this straight. Yeah, the Patty Kazmaier Award. Ms. Daryl Watts was a freshman at BC, won the award. Uh, also won the Camry Granado Award for Rookie East. Um, for Hockey East Player of the Year. I mean, so we've been through... Uh, uh, we've been through uh, the, the Women's National Hockey League expanding... Um, We've had some tough times. We've had some tough stories to, to talk about, too. Uh, Humboldt. The, the Humboldt bus crash uh, and all of the aftermath. In fact, we talked, what was it, three weeks ago about uh, a couple of the players finally or, or a couple of the players were still working on their recovery journey. Um, speaking of Alex Ovechkin, we talked about him, about us getting to talk about his 600th and 700th goal. Oh, yeah. As of right now, he is at 706 NHL goals, all for one team, by the way. Uh, The closest person to him on this list as far as goals for just one team is is Yazerman. He had 692, all for uh, some Detroit team. Don't remember the names of them. It's the same and, team that he kind of runs now, but yeah. Okay. And Lemieux for 690 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No one ahead of him scored all of their goals for one team. Um, and just, just to now bearing in mind the average save percentage now versus when Mike Gardner was playing. Mike Gardner, obvious Hall of Famer, obviously one of the best to ever do it. He played 1,432 games and scored 708 goals. He's seventh on the all-time list for uh, for total ga- for total goals. Okay. Ovechkin is two goals behind him, and has only and has played almost 300 less games, 280 less games to score two less goals. Wow. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, just ahead of that is. Uh, you know, Phil Esposito, a guy someone, one or two of our listeners might be familiar with. Um, 717 goals in uh, 1,282 games. I think it's a safe bet that both of those guys will be passed in a 50 or 60 goal season for Ovechkin. Okay. Um, and then Marcel Dion, uh, 731 goals in 1,348 games. He's probably in reach, too. I mean, that's only a 25-28 goal season for Ovechkin. A half goal a game is about, you know, right on pace for him. So I'll ask you now, where do you expect Ovechkin to stop? If he's healthy? If he's legitimately healthy? I, I wouldn't have I would not have made this projection three years ago. I'm not even sure like at when when we were closing in on the on his 600th goal, I wouldn't have made this prediction simply because it, there's so many things that can go wrong. And while Ovechkin hasn't started a slow decline yet, and he's already at the age where he should have fallen off a cliff, he hasn't. There are a handful of players in the NHL who you look at them and you just 
I, I, I know I look at them and I'm just in awe. And it obviously <laughs> starts with him and Zdeno Chara. He, it's literally ridiculous what they can do given how long they've been doing it and how hard they've been doing it because Ovechkin is not a guy who avoids physical play. Well, He's just go not back, a perimeter player. Just go back a season or so ago uh, uh, when the young buck, uh, Andre Svechnikov decided that he was going to take on the biggest bull in the arena and, Ovechkin dropped him like a bad habit. <laughs> that was brutal. That was literally brutal. But assuming Ovechkin plays next year and then two full regular seasons healthy. Okay. 850 goals is right is is in the wheelhouse. Wow. It really is. I, I, the- I'm not disagreeing. I, I just I I mean we're talking what second, third in the league. That I would put think. him second. It would put him ha- almost halfway between uh, Gretzky and one and Howe and two. Because um, I think that the seven sixty six that Yarger has for third, um, the highest Russian born uh, player, is easily in reach within the next two seasons. I mean, you're talking fifty four goals, fifty two goals. No, fifty. No, I'm sorry. 60 goals. Exactly. Ovechkin yeah, scoring 30 goals. In a season, two. season and a half. Yeah. I, I think that number three is the worst that a healthy Ovechkin who decides to play two more seasons in the NHL is reasonable for. If he decides to play four or five more seasons, even at a reduced capacity where he's only scoring 28 to 30 goals a season, and 28 to 30 as a reduced capacity is hilarious. I mean, literally hilarious. 900 is, it would have to be his goal. Like he would have to sit, he would have to look at, look himself in the mirror one day soon, assuming he hasn't done it already. And this is Ovechkin. He's, he's a party boy, but he still takes the, the sport of hockey really, really seriously. 900 goals, if he stays healthy, there's there's literally no reason he can't do it. I, I don't disagree. I think that this – I think that his star is going to fly as long as he wants it to. The, the only person stopping Ovechkin is going to be Ovechkin, in my opinion. I, I, I can't imagine him – Team ownership is not going to look at him and say – yeah, well, you really haven't done much for the franchise, so we're going to have to let you go, or we'll put you on like a one-year, two million a year contract for scoring thirty goals a season. No. I guess the only no. worry is whether Washington is going to be able to afford to keep him around. You know what? I think he proved way back when he signed that original, what everyone thought would be a lifetime contract, given his the physicality of his play. Cause remember he's only had two NHL contracts uh, and he was drafted. Uh, what was it? 2004, 2005. Um, he had his entry level deal. Yeah. And then he immediately signed an extension for like 13, 14 years. Um, and 
he's basically he signed a it, what, what was a huge contract then, and now there's twelve, fifteen. Well, maybe not twelve or fifteen, but there's certainly a significant number of players making more money than he is. He's got a cup on his resume. Mm-hmm. The guys in Toronto who are making more than him don't have a cup on their resume. Nope. The guys in Edmonton who are making more money than him don't have a cup on their resume. Uh, nope. And I think there's one or two guys out in Colorado who are in the same salary arena. They don't, they don't have a cup on their resume. So even if he gets the same salary for the next four years, four years, I think 850 goals total is enough. I think that's in reach. I'm if he plays six, if he plays six additional seasons, which is a lot that would take him to 41. Okay, I mean, as as a the forward, the number is is real. But as a, as a forward, is forty one. See, I I Yager think it might playing at that age. I, I think mean, it might played, be. I mean, yeah, Chara's what? Chara's forty two, forty three. Still, uh, yeah. and granted, okay, he hasn't another topic for another time. He hasn't signed yet, whatever. But the point is, he played last season. Uh. Now, to my eyes, did he look a little slower? Yes. A little bit. But, I mean, at 42 years old, the the physical stature, that man, the, the way he, he keeps himself in shape, uh, he, he almost borders on obsessive. <laughs> um, no, there's no border there. Or if it is, <laughs> okay, it's in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I think I was trying to be uh, politically correct or something. but See, I don't think that he would dispute the, the obsessive. No, I don't think he would either. You watch him and watch in videos, and he—I mean, when you go when ahead the, and com- go ahead. No, I was just gonna say when the forty the forty year old man is still the number one player on the team as far as chin ups or pull ups, and the—I mean—the young kids can't compete with that. That's saying something. <laughs> no, guys, guys who are supposed to be at the peak physicality, uh, the peak physical strength and conditioning couldn't keep up with him in pull-ups that's and we're not talking about a dozen or so we're talking he did like 37 of them or something (laughs) yeah we're not and we're not saying anything disparaging about the other guys because they would have won on most of the other teams in the league um so one of the other really fun fun things that we've seen in the nhl uh and in hockey since we started this show Mm-hmm. The advent and the rise of the Vegas Golden Knights. I was going to say the same thing. We've had expansion in the NHL during our time. And the meteoric rise of that team. And whether you can say it was a catalyst or not, and the, the horrible, horrible act that took place at the start of their season out in Vegas with the shooting. Yes. But even before the shooting, even before that that idiot induced misery, uh, this team was shaping up to be kind of special. They had 
even before their first player was selected and everyone knew who the biggest name to be selected was going to be six months before it happened. Uh, it was the worst kept secret in hockey. Yes. Uh, their social media account reset the standard for what I, you could say. I do believe I was following them pretty much from the beginning. That's how entertaining it was. They, uh, their Twitter account was probably the best in entertainment, not the best in the NHL or the best in hockey, but the best in entertainment for pure just capture of fun. They never crossed the line into malicious, nope. but they always instigated a little bit of silly pretty much every day, well before their players were ever selected. And it was a lot of fun. And then season one, they run through the NHL. Like I said, the meteoric rise of that team and, and team of misfits, team of, uh, of, unwanted players, whatever they call themselves, whatever other people call them. I mean, you're talking about guys like a William Carlson who until he hit his first year in Vegas and, and the only thing I can think is that he finally felt like he had a home. I don't know. But for him to turn around and have a 43 goal season when he barely played a hundred games in the NHL and had you know, a couple dozen points or something. He he struggled to stay on an NHL roster. Yep. And to to move there and have a home. I mean, the way they embraced uh, their own the 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 defenseman. Ah, oh, why can't they give his name? He's from there. Oh. He's playing. I'm going to have to cheat and look up the roster. <laughs> shame, shame. But that I, team was one the of the best, they... most synergistic rosters I've I've seen in the past 10 or 15 years. Just the way they came together, the way they came together and that first season, and it completely blew their five-year plan out the window. I mean, George McPhee – all he talked about was this five-year plan, and the man clearly knows how to knows the art of the deal. I mean, the way he worked it so that he could get guys like Shea Derek Theodore Engeland. away from Anaheim. What? Derek Engeland. Thank you. The, but the way he was working deals got guy, young guys like Shea Theodore away from Anaheim. The way he was able to, whether you want to say – but finagle that he could get both James Neal and Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, he's clearly had had a vision in mind, and he was ready to go. But to make it to the Stanley Cup Final in your inaugural season, only been done a few times. Really, I'm thinking not at all. I thought St. Louis did it in their first year, but uh, don't quote me. Okay. I mean, 
And to uh, you know, and now we're looking at you know, in our future, we're looking at another expansion team. You know, does that ruin the expectations for the next expansion team to see what Vegas had done? <sighs> They've got big shoes to fill. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. In some ways, I think that the worldwide health situation may have diffused some of the tension around that. Um, I think that if they can, in the 20, what is it going to be, 21-22 season, come out and be competitive, which thankfully the Pacific uh, Division is pathetic, um, they should be able to do. Uh, You know, we've also been through Ken... um Ken Hitchcock not only retiring but coming back into the NHL. <laughs> yes, and yes, reti- we have. And then retiring again. <laughs> Is he back in the NHL again yet? I, I hadn't heard. Wait a minute, wasn't he coaching in Edmonton? I'm lost. <laughs> oh, was it- and Ralph Kruger uh, coming back, returning from his uh, soccer stint in Europe, which worked really, really well. Oh, yes, yes. And not only do we report on the NHL and the AHL and we talk about we also reported on two teams back in 2018 <clears throat> winning their 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 own divisions their own leagues championships one of them being the Shreveport Mudbugs and the Fargo and the Fargo Force now we know the Fargo Force of the USHL correct but the other team was the Shreveport Mudbugs. So if you can find me another show where they've talked about the Shreveport Mudbugs, please let me know because I don't think there is any, <laughs> unless I mean, it's a local one. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about real quick about every about places that we've been and covered in the time we've been doing the show. We've been to Bean Pots. We've yep. been to NC uh, NCAA Regional Finals. We've been to women's. Uh, international women's hockey exhibition games. We've been to ECHL games. We've been to NHL games. Uh, we have talked. We've been to AHL. We went to a Providence game. We've we been to AHL that? games. That's correct. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. We have been to. Uh, we have watched uh, women's hockey on TV, the Olympics, the uh, international hockey at a couple of different levels. Um not many shows are going to bring you what we do. And four years of it is, uh, is a pretty long time. 200 episodes. I, I, I honestly did not think we would end up doing it as long as we have. The, the, the amount of information we've covered, the teams we've covered, the time we've covered, it's it's been enjoyable and I'm not I'm not saying this because I think we're stopping because as far as I know we're not stopping unless somebody wants to tell me otherwise but wow yeah I scroll through the list of shows and the topics that we've covered and there isn't any corner that we haven't reached into I mean We've legitimately talked about everything from curb sticks to jerseys and um, 
we've been around for women getting hired into coaching because Kendall Coyne Schofield just got hired as a first black GM, first black um, or assistant GM, uh, yeah. first black broadcaster for a team in Seattle. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he sounds like he's going to be a fun one to listen to. He sounds like <laughs> I really, really hope they don't muzzle him. Like, let the man open his mouth and be entertaining. That's his job. Yeah. Let him engage with the fans as much as he is willing to. That's that He's is not. the way you build a franchise. Well, he, 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 with him as your with him as your mouthpiece, for lack of a better term, I mean, he. He's the voice. That's what I'm looking for. Absolutely. If I he's mean, your he, voice, you need to let him reach out, touch people, engage with the people, let them uh, engage with him. I just, yeah, the things we've seen in the, in just the four years that we've been doing this, it, it leaves me with a little bit of awe. Uh, I didn't think that I'd be talking about nearly as much as we talk because we cover everything. <laughs> and once once this worldwide health situation uh tones back down i i think maybe we should take a road trip and go see a couple of ushl teams i'm in i like, am legitimately in. go out to chicago get some good food hit this hit this hit a steel game and then maybe hit a blackhawks game uh if we can get tickets uh Madhouse on Madison is not necessarily the easiest place to get tickets to, but uh, if we plan ahead, maybe we can maybe we can manage it. Oh, we've also covered youth hockey in Arizona. We did. Uh, we covered sled hockey. August 2018, we talked about youth hockey in Arizona. Uh, oh, we actually we talked about the. Didn't we talk? We talked about the um, about the hearings for keeping the Coyotes in uh, the greater Phoenix area. We literally, did. there's not a there's really not a hockey topic that we haven't discussed. Uh, we've Agreed. had guests on the show, and some point I really would like to get uh, representatives from one of the uh, one or two of the equipment companies uh, to talk about what makes their product different, better, special. Uh, at some point, and maybe a scout or two. But for now, to my left, I have a glass of uh, one of my favorites. And uh, being the degenerate uh, reprobate that I am, I am going to indulge in a little bit of day drinking and raise a glass to my partner in crime, my partner in excellence. Uh, and and as I raise my glass to this uh, show and will over the future. And my glass, is ra- my glass is raised to you, my friend, my partner for 200 plus episodes. It's been an, it's uh, enjoyable and I hope we can sit- keep doing it. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Please share the show with everyone, you know, um, even if they don't know hockey as well as you do, uh, we can probably fix that. Have a wonderful uh, week, and we'll be back soon, uh, ready to talk about uh, the World Junior Tournament. Take care.